0: I welcome you all to the third podcast of the Temple Architecture Series The Hindu Temple, a reservoir of mythic narratives the Hindu myth of Samudra over the ancient to medieval to pre-modern periods has been popularly illustrated whether in paintings or sculptural reliefs with versions varying it is mentioned in the ancient manuscripts of Vishnu Purana Bhagavad Puran and Mahabharata. Once, when the sage Durvasa and Indra had met, the former offered him a garland as a prashad. Indra, the king of Devlok placed the garland on his elephant named Eravath. Bothered by the bees humming around the garland, Eravath dropped it, infuriating the sage Durvasa. Consequently, he cursed Indra, depriving the Devlog of their strength, wealth and immortality. Worried and impatient, Indra decided to seek refuge and confide in Lord Vishnu. Therefore, Vishnu decided to churn the ocean where the Amrit or nectar of immortality lay deep. With this Amrit, Devas and Indra could regain their lost glory and power. Since Asuras had also desired to become immortal, trouble ensued. Thus, a tug-of-war was agreed upon between Devas and Asuras. Utilizing Mount Mandar and the King of the Serpents, Vasuki, The churning commenced. The Devas chose to grasp Vasuki's head while the Asuras claimed the tail, a decision that would eventually lead to the Asuras asserting control over the serpent's head. However, the mountain would keep sinking at the bottom. At this stage, Vishnu appeared in the avatar of kurma or tortoise to form the base of the mountain aiding the churn. Throughout this monumental effort, a myriad of objects arose from the ocean's depths. This included the malevolent poison known as Halahal, precious gems, the revered Kamdhenu, the wish-fulfilling divine cow, and in certain versions, goddesses like Lakshmi and ethereal nymphs. Ultimately, the coveted Nectar appeared, resulting in a fierce battle between Devas and Asuras. With a strategic intent for the Devas to secure victory, Vishnu took on the enchanting guise of Mohini, distracting the Asuras with her irresistible allure. Meantime, the Devas gulped down the Amrit one by one, retrieving the lost assets. One could fathom the faith and popularity of Samudra by learning the extent of the bar relief at Angkor Wat Temple in Cambodia. As we talk about the sculptural reliefs, I am reminded of the majestic relief at Cave Number 5 of Udaigiri Caves. It is a mythic episode of Varaha rescuing the earth goddess or Bhudevi from cosmic waters. Interestingly, the representation is a common narrative created at several other temples walls in India, like Hampi, Badami, etc. While in some representations it might be a boar alone as Varaha, in others you might observe a head of a boar and the body of a lion called Narvaraha. Throughout these variations, the earth goddess Bhudevi is seen steadfastly clutching the tusk of the boar, symbolizing the triumph of divine intervention over cosmic turmoil. Mentioned in Vayu and Vishnu Puran, this myth starts off on a cursing mood, wherein the four sages Cursed the gatekeepers of Vishnu upon being turned away. Reborn as demon brothers, Hiranyaksha and Hiranyakashyap, after being rewarded with Brahma boons, created irrevocable havoc upon three worlds. Yes, Hiranyakashyap is the same infamous demon who was killed by yet another avatar of Vishnu, Narsemha. One of the brothers Hiranyaksha captured Bhudevi and pulled her into the cosmic water, casting her into the throes of oblivion. Observing the heinous act, Vishnu avatar called Varaha fights with Hiranyaksha for a thousand years, eventually defeating him. After killing Hiranyaksha, Vishnu takes the avtar of Narsimha to kill Hiranyakashap, thereby releasing the grip of demonic forces on the brothers. Due to the fraternity of demons and subsequent salvation, several temples in India together worship the two avatars of Vishnu, Varaha and Narasimha. What is the subtext of the story? How does it relate to the natural phenomena? Does it merely glorify Lord Vishnu as the saviour of the Goddess? Or does it connotate layers of meanings implying natural calamities that impact life on Earth? Interestingly, in the study of comparative mythology, it has been observed in various mythologies of the world that the flood myth is usually followed by a creation myth. Mythology in India is a vast corpus that alludes to the significance of ancient texts like Upanishads and Puranas and epics like Mahabharata and Ramayana. Especially Puranas are replete with narratives about Gods and Goddesses. For example, Vishnu Puran describes many stories of Vishnu and his nine avatars emphasizing chronologies of preservation and sustenance of life not only do the exterior and interior of temples teem with artistic representations of Hindu myths but also the site and conceptualization of a temple originated with the functional clause of mythic narrative let us dive into yet another narrative the Genesis of Tirupati Temple. Situated on the seven hill Tirumala range also known as Seshachalam Chalam or the mountain of Adisesha, Tirupati Temple is located on the lowest peak Venkattir. Interesting to note Adisesha is the divine serpent with seven heads on which peacefully Vishnu rests while enjoying the creation. The Tirupati temple houses a large idol of the Lord Venkateshwara, the form of the Vishnu. Also the region is known as Adivarha Kshetra because it is here at Tirumala that Varaha rested after killing Hiranyaksha. So mythologically the seven hills are personified to be the seven hoods of the Adisesha. Hence, the site through its mythological veracity carries a lineage of significance to become one of the popular Tithas in India. Since we spoke of several Hindu myths that embellish the temple with an essential character of ancient divinity, there arises a query on how one identifies a particular deity or a character in such representations. Do the props or the character or a shade in a painting denote an identity or iconographical feature? Absolutely. In the Samudra Manthan myth, when the Devas and Asuras were churning the ocean for the Amrit, there emerged a poison called Halahal a poison so fatal that it could destroy the entire creation. In order to avoid such devastation, Shiva swallowed it, which made his neck turn blue. In some versions of this myth, Parvati, the consort of Shiva, had gripped his neck to avoid the spread of the poison in his body. Hence, it is believed that Shiva is also called Nilkant nil meaning blue and kant meaning neck notably this part particularly helps us to understand how gods have been named due to a specific purpose in addition these iconographical features are suggestive of the timeline region and dynasty for example The evolution of the form or the iconographical representation of Vishnu and his nine avatars assists in decoding the timeline or the period of the production. Especially in the case of Vishnu, it is the weapons that he carries and their placement or composition becomes a denotation of the age and production of a specific dynasty. Generally, the representation of Vishnu is identified by the icons of a chakra, mace, conch and in some versions a crown in their original form of the objects. And these weapons are observingly carried by the anthropomorphic or human forms of the weapons. The style or the pose of holding these weapons also varied with age. We shall learn more about this in the forthcoming podcasts of the temple architecture series. Functionally, the structure of the temple has been conceptualized to narrow down the concentration of the devotees towards the God in the Garbhagraha. While the mandapas and the exterior of the temple have reliefs or murals that denote secular life, the art of the antaral and Garbhagraha display sacred figures like idols of the gods and their avatars. In the passage from the secular to the sacred from the broader exteriors to the narrow and focused core a devotee becomes capable of refining his senses to experience the higher consciousness. In this episode we briefly learned The idea of how mythology carries an influential function and symbolic transmission to endow a devotee with knowledge. A temple being a reservoir of such mythic narratives is like a tome of wisdom and valor. Until this podcast, we learned about the temple as Tirtha, deriving an idea of its purpose the temple as Purusha, realizing the method of construction and as a canon of narrative that nourishes with a practical function. From the next podcast, we shall begin with styles and specific examples to venture deeper into the many temples of India. In the coming next, we will revel in the glory of temples Built during the golden age of the Gupta period. Stay tuned.